What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. This is the Cash Considerations Podcast. Yes, the Denver Nuggets uh, traded Ismail Kamikaze, a second-round pick, uh, I believe, in 2022, and traded him to the Los Angeles Clippers for cash considerations. Anyone who um, listened, or not listened, but anyone who uh, read Denver Stiff's um, circa 2009 to 2014, around there, will remember that uh, cash considerations was a character in itself. Um, cash considerations uh, became a human being, so to speak. <laughs> if you read the comments section around then, uh, it was an inside joke that I appreciated. Um, but yes, mocking aside, this is the Denver Nuggets. As I said yesterday, um, as of this recording, and this will go up uh, in the morning on Friday, uh, the Nuggets projected that they were going to not do anything. Um, forget Michael Malone. As I said before, he doesn't know anything. Um, this is, this is, this is all about the Nuggets saying exactly what they meant in the off season this year. And this is going to be interesting within the context of what happened at the trade deadline, because there wasn't any blockbuster moves, but there was a lot of, I described it on Twitter as rearranging deck chairs on a sinking ship. There was a lot of that going on. It was very bizarre. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a trade deadline this unusual. And I don't know if that was necessarily because of the circumstances with the first and second apron, the changes to the CBA, or if uh, it was because the um, the luxury tax threshold only went up, was only supposed to go up a... Um, a million dollars? No, no, it's not supposed to be just a million dollars less than what they thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know why things are weird right now. Um, a lot of teams have their team, their team set in stone, and this, this may signal something that I want to talk about in the second half. That this is probably going to lead the NBA into becoming more of an off-season transactional league rather than an in-season transactional league. Um, but let's address the Denver Nuggets for a second, because obviously the Nuggets not doing anything. It's not should not be a surprise to anyone who has watched the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets um, were hampered by a lot of different things, and the biggest thing that hampered them was giving the taxpayer mid-level exception to Reggie, Reggie Jackson. So whatever you think about the Nuggets' actions this offseason is probably going to center around them giving the taxpayer mid-level to, to uh, Reggie Jackson. Um, I wasn't a fan of it, personally. As good as Reggie Jackson has been in, in spurts, um, I, I, I don't know necessarily that that was a good use of the taxpayer mid-level. Um, and it really set in... Uh, in motion, a cascading series of events that that kind of lock the Nuggets into where they're at. They don't really have any wiggle room. Another thing that will lock the Nuggets into where they're at is signing all three of the rookies that they drafted to uh, guarantee contracts. Uh, Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson, and uh, uh, Julian Strother, all of which got a deal. Now, this is important to um, take into consideration. 
the the action of signing these three rookies, two of which has who have barely seen the the the, the floor, has limited roster spaces. So, like, say for instance, tonight we learned that Danilo Gallinari was is being waived by the uh, Detroit Pistons. If the Nuggets, and I'm just using him as, as an example, if the Nuggets wanted to re-sign him, bring him back to Denver as an end-of-year kind of uh, player on the roster, um, they can't do, the, do that because they would either have to waive someone that they just signed or they would have to do on something else along those lines. They, 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 they're not going to do that. Um, as much as I think that Gallo and what he gave to Denver during an extremely rough period of time in Nuggets history, um, what he gave them and I think is, is worth kind of a token bring him back for 20 games kind of thing, um, the Nuggets are stuck. They don't have any moves they can make. They they are stuck where they're at. So essentially because they have three rookies and Reggie Jackson that they that they signed, there's no nothing that they can do to get themselves out of that without doing something today like trading one of them, which is what they're gonna do. The the Nuggets are mass maxed out. Um, so the Nuggets in, in this position right now have stated since the offseason exactly what they were going to do. They were going to ride with these rookies and they were going to go into the season with the roster they had with the starting lineup, which is great, uh, already intact and have hope, hoping that Reggie Jackson um, would be able to stabilize a bench that featured a lot of youth. But what we've seen this year is something that it's it's actually amounted to a worst case scenario for the Nuggets, even though they are thirty five and sixteen, okay, as of this recording. And and what that means is they the Nuggets kind of um, put themselves deliberately into no man's land. So they couldn't if they, even if they wanted to, they couldn't do anything because they committed themselves very loudly in multiple interviews to this process. And this process is old rookies and signing Reggie Jackson. I mean, really, that's really truly what it was. Um, you know, and they retained DeAndre Jordan and, and stuff like that. The DeAndre Jordan stuff, he's great for the locker room. Everyone can see his value. And in fact, it's thank God they've had DeAndre Jordan this year because Zeke Naji has been terrible. And I discussed that in the last podcast. Uh, Zeke has not been great. So the Nuggets getting cash considerations for, um, for a guy who was never going to see the court in Denver um, is, is, I mean, it's a shrug of the shoulders. It, it's not, it's, it's not something that is ever going to affect anything that they do tangibly cash considerations aren't that sort of thing um so that that's not that's not a that's not a scenario that's going to pay it play itself out it was almost like an ancillary thing that didn't deserve being mentioned because if that wasn't if that deal wasn't announced by shams i think no it wasn't shams it was someone else from the atlantic um uh, i'm sorry if i'm misattributing this but it was, i don't believe it was shams who, who reported this because of this um it was it was a non-factor thing Cash considerations is undefeated. Cash considerations has never played it. Played a, a a minute of basketball. 
Cash Considerations can never let you down. Cash Considerations is the best of what uh, uh, you can provide because there's no expectations. Cash Considerations is cash. There's no risk there. So the Nuggets went from someone who that will never see the court in Denver, gave them away for money from the Clippers. Okay. All right. Uh, it's it's good that the Nuggets were able to do that and get some get some badly needed money for the for the Cronkies, I guess. But uh, joking aside, this is just a reflection of where the Nuggets are at with this roster. They're committed to Calvin's draft picks, and that's really if you really want to boil it down to it, that is where we're at. The Nuggets are committed to the direction that they set forth. Um, by their actions this offseason and the draft that they had prior to that in June and uh, all those steps that have been taken. I mean, and I'm going to include Christian Brown and uh, Peyton Watson in this. Watson has showed some promise this year, and uh, Christian Brown has had a better last couple games than he's had most of the year. Um, I blame Calvin for a lot of Christian Brown's struggles because – he put in his head that he needed to be a playmaker that was on the Nuggets front office if 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 uh Christian Brown did what he always did which was what he was doing last year which is just being a a a dirty work hustle guy who would get the occasional point uh, surprising point um but really was there for hustle and defense and to create chaos if he was just doing that it's what he was made for right then you had Reggie Jackson um, the Reggie Jackson deal is significant insofar as it locked the Nuggets in from to from being able to do anything. The the use of the taxpayer mid level basically set the Nuggets in stone. And what the Nuggets were telling us in multiple press conferences was this is the way they were going to go. So th- this is this is it. So it really depends on how you view their roster, how you view. The Denver Nuggets right now is the way they are going to be to the end of the season. Great starting lineup, very questionable bench. People have said that last year it was a terrible bench, and um, you know it was it was. Uh, you could make some valid points on that. It, it, it wasn't a great bench, but it was a veteran bench, other than Christian Brown. And that is the because Bruce Brown and Jeff Green were there. And what you've seen the Nuggets do the last, I don't know, 15 games or so is they've really staggered Jamal. Jamal has been um, what you would call the the bench stabilizer. The problem is the bench still sucks. You can only improve what surrounds Jamal so much. They will always lose leads when Jokic goes out. It'll be a thing that probably surrounds Nikola Jokic until he retires from the NBA. The closest they ever came to having a uh, similar play style bench was when Mason Plumley was here. And Plumley wasn't exactly what you would call a carbon copy of Jokic, but he did replicate some playmaking. He could do the dribble handoffs, did enjoy passing. Um, he initiated a lot of the offense at the top of the circle, but the Nuggets don't have that right now. So they are stuck in this, 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 whatever they're doing. Right. And what we have to determine as Nuggets fans is 
is this particular direction enough to get them to a title this year? My view, and I've said this since the offseason, my view is the Nuggets knew that this wasn't good enough, but they were okay with going into the season with it. And because they signed Reggie Jackson to the mid-level, taxpayer mid-level, and because they had signed, well, three rookies to contracts, they, I mean, they, Strother was a, uh, a first-round pick, so he was going to get a, uh, a guaranteed deal. But Pickett and Tyson did not need to be given guaranteed contracts. And those decisions have consequences, and the consequences is what you saw at the deadline. The Nuggets couldn't really do anything unless they wanted to give up valued pick, which means giving up Reggie Jackson, you know, which means giving up Zeke Naji, a guy that you uh, whose value has plummeted to the point where he can't even get minutes in front of DeAndre Jordan, right? These decisions have consequences, and you saw that play out in front of the Denver Nuggets in the trade deadline. But the Nuggets were not alone there. A lot of the changes made to the CBA affected everyone out there. Um, The Clippers really didn't do anything. Uh, The Timberwolves got uh, Monte Morris. The uh, um, Thunder got Gordon Hayward. The Thunder are the most the most easily positioned to do whatever they need to do. Okay, Gordon Hayward is injured right now, um, but they were able to trade some some ancillary pieces for Gordon Hayward, basically buying low on Gordon Hayward. But they were able to do that. Outside of that, the Lakers didn't do anything. The Suns didn't do anything. This wasn't this wasn't something that you saw a lot of movement. The the Celtics ended up getting um, Xavier Tillman. Um, the the Milwaukee Bucks traded for Patrick Beverly for some reason. It's probably because Doc Rivers was there, and he had Doc Rivers had Patrick Beverly in uh, in 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 with the Clippers. So you never know. So anyway, um, in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk about these deals, the way they shaped up, and how the NBA might be moving into more of an off-season league rather than a uh, regular season league. But first, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi. It'd be for lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block there, always online at BFW Colorado. Dot com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Uh, great vibes, great place. I've uh, taken many people there. They've all loved it. Um, one of the best things about going to the Dairy Block location is just the general vibe of the place. It's really cool. It's a really cool location to just kind of hang out. So if you're going to an, uh, a Rockies game, you know, summertime, great place to stop for beforehand and uh, go on to see the Rockies or stop on the way uh, after the Rockies game. But they uh, uh, they have location in Fort Collins. They got a location at Golden, and they got the location, the original location in Sonoma County, California. They've got reds. They got whites. They got Rieslings. They've got uh, rosés. They've got uh, uh, blends. They've got uh, the, the Pinot is really good. I highly suggest trying that. They got that available right now. Um, as always, the Cabernet is really good. But if you like whites, they got their Riesling is in partnership with the Western Slope Wineries. It's very good in itself. I, I really do enjoy that one. 
Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Moisey in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSQ Podcast sent you. The, the NBA has always struggled with the, the balance between offseason and during the season. And during this Adam Silver era, it became the NBA came, NBA has become more about drama. It's become the ancillary stuff. And there hasn't been a lot of that this year. And due to actions signed with the CBA, it seems like the league is shifting more towards substantive deals being done in the offseason. Things that are need to be done are kind of circled in on that area. I mean, unless a superstar is trying to force his way out, like uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did last last off season, that sort of thing doesn't happen that often. It, that people think it happens more often than it does. But today was unusual. Today was a bunch of across the board trades. Indiana um, trading. I mean, it, it, trading a Buddy Heald to the Philadelphia 76ers in a move that really didn't benefit the, 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 the Pacers. Then they got Doug McDermott from the San Antonio Spurs. Doug McDermott was on the Pacers before. Um, not a, I, I mean, and moves that just are kind of like, okay, is your team any better than they, the, way, the way they were before? I don't necessarily think that Buddy Heald is going to make the uh, Philadelphia 76ers that much better, you know? But this is the way the league is, and this is was a really unusual day. And I listened to um, Bill Simmons talk about this. Now, I think the one team that actually did pretty well was the Charlotte Hornets. I think the Charlotte Hornets really kind of set themselves on a direction that, um, at this deadline. And after years and years and years of trying to figure out whatever that, what the hell they're doing, this was a direction. Uh, getting off of Gordon Hayward, um, acquiring players that that have some upside, but they're on manageable contracts, and trying to build around Lamella Ball. Um, I can't figure out what the Toronto Raptors are doing. That that is, I mean, I I love you, Masai, but I I cannot figure out what the the, the Raptors are doing. I, I it, they've got off a bunch of contracts, but um, Toronto's not exactly a free agent destination, so I don't no idea, no idea what they are doing. No offense to the Raptors fans who may listen to this, I just I I just don't know. Um, all that aside, it does seem clear to me that almost the majority of the deals here were just kind of moving one player from one location to another. You know, it, 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 and it it sounds weird to say that sort of thing. It sounds weird to say a trade, a trade is intrinsically a relocation, right? But there doesn't seem to any any value exchange in a lot of these deals. I mean, the the New York Knicks got uh, basically, I I don't I with the Pistons, I I do believe that you know they cut Killian Hayes today. They um, traded uh, Alec Burke, uh, Burks, excuse me, and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bojan, not Bogdan, Bojan Bogdanovich, to uh, the Knicks. 
and that is going to benefit the Knicks, and in the future, it'll benefit it'll benefit the, the Pistons. That deal in itself was a the Knicks needed to use some picks kind of deal, and they found the perfect foil in the Detroit Pistons. But most of the deals, as I said before, were kind of just straight across. It was really weird. It was a really weird deadline. Uh, Bill Simmons called it a dud. I wouldn't go that far. There was a lot of activity, but it was it was kind of it, it, it didn't it didn't really attract anything. This is my theory, though. I think the league is moving into an era where that once they know the parameters with which they have to operate, they are much easier in the off season moving than they are in the in the regular season now, because. Until the league expands, which they has desperately needed to expand for five years now, maybe even longer, um, and it's largely due to league-wide greed why they have not done that yet, particularly since, what, 2014 was probably the optimal time for them to expand, and it was the owner saying, we don't want to split the pie that basically was the reason that the only reason that that hasn't occurred earlier. Seattle needs a team back. And obviously it's inevitable that Vegas is going to get a team. But until we get this expansion, you're going to see this. Once the league expands, things will open up tremendously. But until that happens, we have moved into a big moves made at the time of free agency league. And those things are all well and good. I don't mind that at all. Um, rarely did have the Nuggets made a huge deal. I said this in the last podcast. Aaron Gordon is uh, by far the best move Tim Connolly made in terms of a trade, I think. And um, it's the move that really kind of made the Nuggets. But the, the Jokic era Nuggets, other than, other than Nikola Jokic, don't come at me, folks. I, that's, I'm not implying that, but I'm saying it's the, it's the thing that completed the Nuggets, I should say. The trade that t- completed them. But the Nuggets really never made any huge deals um, other than that uh, Gordon deal. So it, it's kind of like, the, the, it feels like the league has come to the Nuggets the league is kind of like where the end is. If we don't have to do it, we're not going to. And if we do, it's just going to be a. No, oh, I like this player over here. Maybe not a needle mover, but we'll 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 take a flyer. That sort of thing. And rarely do, as I pointed this out in the last podcast, rarely do deadline deals make a huge impact. It's it's very actually very rare that that happens. Um, the, um as I pointed out, the, Kevin Durant is a uh. uh made an impact on the Suns, but he's making a better impact this year because he's got a full training camp in year, which probably will play into thinking, right? And I, and and the, the interesting thing to me is that we, the Lakers didn't make more of an aggressive mood move for DeJounte Murray. I, I don't, I don't understand why they didn't go there. Maybe they couldn't get the terms they wanted. Who knows? But the, but that aside, it just didn't, and there wasn't anything really available that was going to be wow, you know. I think at this point in time, 
the league is going to be more suited, even after expansion, but they may open up a lot after expansion, but the, the, may, the league is going to be more suited to offseason moves and draft day trades and free agency trades and whatever happens in free agency. Free agency is not going to be great this next offseason, and the, and the draft is not going to be that great. Um, everyone's waiting for the, when I've been told, everyone's waiting for the Cooper flag draft. And I have no idea who that is, but the, the name keeps coming up to me. Um, so there, there are players to look out for in terms of the future. Clearly not necessarily this offseason and not in this season. And this, this, there's was nothing really needle moving going on. You could argue that the Knicks move the needle. You could argue the Thunder sort of did, but Hayward is a walking injury. I don't know if that's going to help them. And also the the uh, uh, the Timberwolves acquired Monte Morris, which is a minor move. We know Monte here. Um, they needed another adult and another point guard on that team. So that may pay dividends for them, but it's not a major move. It's not a big-time move. And Tim, Tim Connolly is loath to do big moves just to do big moves. So this is, where the, this is the current league. The league as we know it right now is a league that is maybe going to be moving into more like the NFL where the offseason the off is where the big things happen. And it's kind of always been that way considering free agency is a big part of uh, the NBA. But you may see bigger deals happening now. Teams wanting to get set in the offseason before they reach the trade deadline. Things like that happening and um, really setting that into motion rather than waiting for the trade deadline or disgruntled player, which will always be there. That option will always be there. But I think this is where teams are at. Because of the apron, the tax apron. And you saw what the Nuggets did this year. They, they, they set themselves in the offseason. The Denver Nuggets knew exactly what they were going to be all year this offseason. And they told us exactly the way they were going to look. You're going to see more and more and more teams take that approach. All right, folks, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. This was a, a rare three-episode week. Um, I may continue to do that this month. Who knows? Um, as of, I think, right now, I think the Nuggets are playing the Lakers. So uh, we'll see how that, that goes. Um, uh, I don't, uh, they're, playing, they're taking a California trip, so they're playing the, the Kings after this. So who knows? All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast. I'm going to be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.